Hey y'all, before we get into today's episode, I need to ask you for a little favor. Remember our live podcast recording with Jasmine Sullivan? Well, it got nominated for a Webby. And so has our YouTube series, Get You a Me. The Webbies are kind of a big deal in the internet content podcasting world, and they are decided by the public. So we need your help to win. Please go vote for us in both categories. It only takes a few minutes to do it. We'll put the direct links in this episode's description, and you can also find them in me or Scotty's bios on Instagram and Twitter. We're currently in second place in both categories, so please help us spread the word to all your family and friends and help us bring home the trophies. <laughs> the last day to vote is this Thursday, April 21st, so all and every vote is appreciated. Okay, now let's get to the episode. You're listening to OK Now Listen, a bi-weekly show where we chat about what's on our minds, what we're binging, and what's blowing up our timelines. I'm Scotty Beam, media personality, content creator, music enthusiast, and a wing connoisseur only if they're baked because I'm on a journey. <laughs> and I'm Sylvia Obell, culture writer, host, producer, and lover of Beyonce. We got to do some check-ins, so... The people, the people have, have been, been in our mentions. They are the they, they are a mad at us. But say. even though we warned y'all that the ultimatum was crazy, the, you can't say we did not right. warn you. If anything, you should be you thanking us for chaos. knowing what you were getting into. You said, you know what? From that layout, I want to see, see what, the, what I they're would talking like, about. So don't don't come to us because you like mess. Thank you know you. what I mean? That's on you, baby. <laughs> but we like mess too. So we're and we want. <laughs> The finale and the reunion came out last week. Y'all on our mention saying y'all wanted our reaction. So we're here to give you them real quick at the top of the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to start with Madeline and Kobe because what the fuck? <laughs> the, the fact that she, Madeline played the game in a way where she made us really think for the first half of the season that she could care less about Kobe. She did that. And in the second half of the season, you know, she was on a mission to get her, to get her hall pass black deal (laughs) and keep it moving. And that's what her focus was. Second half of the season, it turns out that Kobe is able to play her like a puppet. And it's like, who knew? It was like night and day. I said, now Kobe got you in a a chokehold like this. Because Not you, you know swore why? you were going to break you know up why? 17 times and marry him anyway. Because you know why? Why? He thought that he, she thought that he was one of those like, oh, I can step all over him kind of guys. I really do believe he showed his ass on this show. <laughs> you and think for the first time? Yes, for the first it? time. She said, I ain't never seen this nigga like this before. I have never seen him like this. So the fact that he was playing this game and she, she looks like she likes a little game. She likes so a little she likes cat the and mouse. Yeah, she likes the toxic shit. Clearly, no, she clearly likes. Clearly, it. she clearly is in it. I really think that where we disagree is that I think Kobe has bit. I get narcissist vibes from Kobe. I don't know. It's like it's like triggering toxicity where it's like the way he gaslights Madeline is crazy. Where it's like I did this for you. I keep doing like every time he messed up or cheated, she found these messages in the phone. He was like, I did it to prove myself. But to how you. long has he been doing and that I'm to like, her? No, I mean to say, I think his ability to have her eating out of his hand is interestingly well crafted in my mind. Are we gonna see she show and I, even to me, 
The fact that he made her marry him on the spot before her friends could talk her out of it, before her dad could talk her out yeah. of it, because all of them were against it. Yeah. All of them told her no. Yeah. All of them said, we don't know why you're being pulled into this. And she yeah. married him anyway. Because she likes that. And because she was pregnant. She Oops, that. all right, next to the, <laughs> on to the next. Please, Scotty, take your thoughts. I know, Randall and Shanique got engaged at the choice and then broke up at the, re- the reunion. They said that they broke up. And then are now back together, which I do think is a healthy. Yes, that's healthy. That's very good. That they because they needed to take a break when they yes. got engaged. I said, "Whoa!" Yes. <laughs> like I was happy that Randall didn't embarrass Shanique on television by not enga- proposing to her. Yeah, like that. I said, "That's the least you could do." <laughs> Don't that would have been so anti-black girl. to me. I'd have been like, "Yo, this girl." Let me say, let me tell Don't you something. Don't embarrass Shanique. And don't have her looking crazy. Please. That's all I <laughs> like ask. Don't said. embarrass us. So I get it, but, I, you know, I see why it fell apart. And I'm proud of them for attempting to put it back together in a healthy way. Now, Randall's actions on the show, I can't speak towards those. Young man was lost. I don't know what. <sighs> yeah, I, I was more confused about the dynamic between, first of all, Shanique. I don't understand Shanique and Randall as a couple. I I think Shanique wears the pants in that relationship. Of course. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, I don't get them in their community. They both suck at communicating. Everyone sucks. But <laughs> uh, I don't understand why they are so connected. I really wish there were some moments where I felt, uh, well, see. I got to see yeah. why they are so tied to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Randall really tried it with the Madeline shit and the Shanique shit. At one point, he would treat Madeline with such gentleness and softness that it would enrage me because when I saw him eating dinner with Shanique and they were going back and forth, and although Shanique is severely petty. Oh, when she came to see him after right. the girls' night. Yes. Yeah, at the yeah, club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just didn't like the difference. I didn't like it. And I know some people would be like, oh, well, you know, Randall and Shanique knew each other longer so they can talk to each other any type of way. I'm just not a big fan of you doing it with the cameras in my face. You saying I'm, you know, I sound dumb and all these other things. But when this Madeline girl was losing her shit over some black dick, mm-hmm. <laughs> it she was so mad that he crazy. wouldn't do it, right? And on top of that, you being like, "Fuck," she's saying, "Fuck you, fuck you." Yeah, you. I know if Shanique did did that. I feel like Shanique does that often. Based I don't on think what I've seen she them, calls the him, way she says "fuck you" to him. I don't think that. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, we disagree. But I do think that Randall should have... I think he should have had the same energy with Madeline that he had with Shanique. I think he should have just stayed in the apartment and let her go off with the dogs and walk right. and come back. Why follow her out with such gentleness and sweetness? And, hey, I was just doing what the producer... You know, we have to talk about this. And there's something that we have to talk about. And I don't want to talk about that because I just want some of your dick. I just want the dick. Yeah, And, and, he, and he she wanted like, it just gonna... to go back to Shanique and tell Shanique I fucked him. That's why, because the way that she was acting, Madeline, Shanique, and all the other girls was hanging oh, out. Oh, they did the girls' and, night. The yes. girls' night is when I would have had to fight. You know what? I feel like everybody watched the show and said, "At what point would I have broke?" That night where they came to the table to That'd talk about everybody's me. man. That would have been that it. That would have been the day Sylvia got kicked off of the ultimatum. Right. Cause because I would I would have reached across the table. You gonna sit there and be loud and say, "Oh." I want to go home to kiss Randall. She's like, I just want to go home and make out with Randall. And that's why she was mad, because Randall don't want to make out with you. 
But he did. All, I mean, not all not not that night. Like she wanted, she thought she was gonna get more out of him than she did, and she was really disappointed. Shaking, baby. And you would have seen my shoe fly to the back of the head. But you know, I don't promote violence. And I, so I want to commend, yeah, and I want to give a clap, clap to to the girls. You know, who did you? Y'all all sat there, and y'all were able to have that conversation like grown adults because at that age. At, the, at, at that oh, age, at, ooh, I'm gonna say, right. can you imagine at ooh, that age? Ooh, ooh, I can barely imagine baby, at my big age, let alone that small age. Lock me up. All I know is, is that I don't understand. To me, I think that Randall, like, I agree with what Scotty's saying. I also think it was weird to me that anybody was on that show in the first place. So it was hard for me to feel bad for anybody when they <laughs> brought them there. Like, I think that's why I kept having a hard time really feeling bad for Shanique. Because I couldn't understand why Shanique brought Randall onto this show in the first place. And then when she was like, you were supposed to come on the show, sit in the corner and miss me. I said, now, girl, but see, that's not what was She was honest. That's what I, that's I feel honest like, queen because I feel like that's what they all thought and they all got very woken up a lot of like, like we said a, a lot, lot of people, people weren't the prize baby people, so they all thought that they were just gonna sit there and Mm-mm. it's like girl are you dumb <laughs> and that's why me and Randall said it at the same time that's why I was like damn I, I'm not her, her, her boyfriend so that's the difference Dumbest between us thing. but I just think that everybody on this show really thought that their man and or woman were gonna sit there and just miss him in the corner and that is not what happened baby and so the chaos continue to ensue Ray 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 and Zay Ray and Zay broke up before the finale even happened and what what Zay pulled I don't blame Ray in that moment that man came home at 8 a.m. and had no no excuses no no viable place of where he was nothing to say for himself about why his look I think he said his phone died okay so he walked in at 8 a.m. after all that and I'm like yeah no I get it. I get it, Ray. Shout out to Ray <laughs> sticking to her guns and being like, no, this is a wrap. This is over, bro. This is done. She stuck to her guns apparently until the until camera's wrapped. the camera's wrapped. <laughs> but still, but, yes. in that moment, and sticking to it. I cannot believe, A, I, I hate to admit it. I hope you don't find me. <laughs> Whatever the saying is. I was kind of excited when Ray and Jake chose each other. I like that. Because I, I liked it. Because I yeah. just felt like April and him had a very toxic dynamic, too. Yes. And I think Ray and Zay had a very toxic dynamic. So I think Ray and Jake, you know, seemed to be like, I thought it was cute. Like, let's go travel. Let's do this. I was shocked when at the reunion, after all that, Ray and Jake didn't even go on the damn trip. I mean, I'm like, well, the least you could have done was go on the trip. You done blew everybody's mm-hmm. life up for what? Mm-hmm. To just not? Ray cursed Zay out, and I could tell she was holding that curse in for a while. The one that she gave him at the reunion. Because it was crazy that he did not tell her that him and Shanique had hooked up. And while she's running around with Shanique, she's like, you know that's we became friends. You would be mad at me when we would be hanging out after. And it's all because you did not want me to know that you and her hooked up. (laughs) After you made me feel like I was hooking up and I wasn't. And I said, if Zay ain't a nigga... from the end of the time so I have nothing to say about Jake and his Drake cornrows he's clearly on demon time and whatever else season he's in mm-hmm. and I have I all I could do is pray for him as well <laughs> send thoughts and prayers <laughs> send thoughts and prayers to them all and especially to Madeline and Kobe's baby child you know <laughs> God Yo, bless Sylvia, get out <laughs> That's all I have to say about the ultimatum. Please. I I just feel like at the end of it, I sat there. I stared at my TV as the credits rolled. Like, I feel like a lot of y'all did. And I said, I know we didn't just go through all of that for none of these niggas to still be together. (laughs) To have gotten married. Except Kobe and Madeline and, um, I guess, what's Alexis and Hunter. 
And Lauren and that other dude who's the worst of them all. I'm going to pick you. I'm, I'm going to pick What's you. What's his name? Nate? Uh, whatever. Yeah. Can him. You Nate. Can you imagine? Throw him all the way away. Can and I hope Lauren runs for the hills because it's she just ain't. Gonna, Clearly. She, she, she's not. She's because. also not seeming like she's going to have his baby. So we're going to see what comes <laughs> first. But she's the not. ultimatum was a wild ride. Yes. Um, great times. Great guys. mess. Great times. Um, I can't believe they're, but they'll probably do it again. I can't imagine who would sign up after watching it. So that's that. Those are our thoughts on the ultimatum, y'all. Um, I know you're going to tweet us yours. So <laughs> we'll stay tuned for the fireworks that are mm-hmm. the reactions to the reunion and finale. Mm-hmm. But you know something that I've also been thinking about a lot since our last episode? is how we talked about easing back into this season. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of a post that I shared not too long ago on Instagram about leaning, reclaiming my softness. Mm-hmm. And I was actually inspired by this tweet from at Zandashe. I hope I'm saying that right. And the tweet was, she tweeted it like last year in like May, but she said like, I dream of never being called resilient again in my life. I'm exhausted by strength. I want support. I want softness. I want ease. I want to be amongst kin. Not patted on my back for how well I take a hit or for how many. And that tweet really resonated with me because I do think I, as like many black women, have learned to wear the resilient crown with pride. Yeah. Because a lot of people couldn't wear this load, carry this load and do it as gracefully as we do. And I do take some pride in that. But it also made me think, but does, but should it be this way? Yeah. And what am I really proud of? You know what I mean? And as I started to examine you know, these adjectives that I put on myself, hardworking, overachiever, you know, resilient, strong, Mm -hmm, they're all very mm -hmm, rough, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, what about the multitude? Like, you know, as we contain multitude, so I can be all those things, but there's a whole nother part of me that really desires to be at ease, to be rested and peaceful, Mm -hmm. to be loved on and cheated gently. Mm -hmm. You know, for somebody to t- say, hey, I see your shoulders are very tired. Let me take some of that load from you. Yeah. The tweet really made me think a lot about that. Yeah, I remember seeing that tweet and thinking me too. Because, you know, so often we see black women celebrated for our resilience and strength. And then it ends there. <laughs> and then that's what. And then we got to get more strength and more resilience. Right. They're like, we got to get more. World. Right. We have to we have to get more uh scars and mm-hmm. you know, battle wounds and all these things like that. And it, and it was inspiring to see your post about softness, Sylvia, but if I'm being honest, it is a very layered thing mm-hmm. for me. It's hard for me to accept uh because softness, soft is a weak word. Where we, especially where we, especially where up. we're from, like you say, nigga, you soft. That's Stop being so damn soft. That's the insult, right? It was an insult. Stop it. Stop crying. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, it, it it is a big struggle, especially with the boundaries. I realized too that I'm probably doing it wrong. I would set boundaries so that I can go and battle some more. Mm. I'm setting boundaries like, oh, I'm not answering my phone in the morning. No, I'm preparing my mind, my body for mm-hmm. the shit that goes on outside, the the war going out on going on, on outside. So right, literally. it's right. <laughs> so it was to recharge just to fight. 
It's not yeah. a it's not a recharge to live more in my softness or be more gentle to myself. It's being gentle because I know nobody else will. Yeah. You know, being gentle because I know that I have to be able to fight and do things, uh, but I have to find a space where I'm gentle and soft with myself. Mm-hmm. So I would want and also require these things from people like my boyfriend or require mm-hmm. these things from people mm-hmm. like friendships and stuff. But then also realizing that if they don't see that in me and mm-hmm. me and how I treat myself, mm-hmm. then they won't do that for me, you know. Yeah. And unfortunately, we can't live in a world, and I would love to, where we're like, I'm just going to treat people with softness because that's what they deserve. No. It's not even like, yeah. oh, I'm not going based on how how people treat themselves, but it's like, oh, I d- you know, this person deserves kindness. This person deserves softness. So I'm going to do that because that's just how we should be treating human beings. Yeah. We don't get that luxury. We don't lead. We don't lead with that. No. The same way we don't lead with it for ourselves because, to your point, the job of softness starts within. Yeah. And unfortunately, you're right. We do live in an era where we have to show people how to treat us. Treat us, yeah. And I think, and so, and so, and a lot of times, you're right. They do watch how we treat ourselves. They do watch what they pride themselves in. They may be like, you know what? Scotty is strong. She is a fighter. She is fire. She is fire. Mm -hmm. Beautiful ball of fire Mm -hmm. and passion. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about her. And that's how. But then I'm also thinking. Also, then she doesn't need protection. She doesn't need this. Exactly. She doesn't need that. Exactly. And it's like, why? Just because she shows this, does she not need these things? The, the same way we've been um, conditioned, conditioned yeah. to not assume softness for ourselves, we also have been conditioned to not for each other. Yes. And that's why I think actually being able to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and trust that you can even be soft is such a huge part of it. Vulnerability to me is part of softness because a lot of us especially the black community we're not taught how to be vulnerable mm-hmm. because we were uh, as a form of self-protection yeah you show these people who they are they will take that weakness right. and they will use it to destroy we you we say this all the time but this is it's based on survival yeah. we are trying to, to survive. survive yeah we're not trying to live we're not trying to enjoy and celebrate no I'm trying to make it and to, I think that right. we were raised by a generation that said we have to train our babies yes. to survive yes we are the first generation that's thinking to ourselves we need to train these babies to live yes not just survive but live a full life and and we have to learn how to do that for ourselves before we can do that for them and that's why to me it's been so important to really analyze that within myself and think like how can I do this you know for me and I think first it required that like and made that the expectation of strength that's put onto us isn't feasible or healthy And then it's like, it's something that we've learned to wear as a badge of honor proudly, but we need to make space for these other things. And like, to my point about how you have to be vulnerable to feel soft, we have to find, sometimes being soft is about creating uh, safe spaces. And as black women, we know there's not a lot of uh, safe spaces for us. We usually have to be that safe space for each other. Mm -hmm. Like we have to become a safe space as humans because there is actually no literal safe space for us. Mm-hmm. And within our relationships can become a safe space. Like, we have to create them. Mm-hmm. And I think, in, if so for me, it's like, are my relationships, do I feel safe enough in the ones that I have to find a place to even be soft? Mm-hmm. Even if it's your home. A lot of us, it is our home, right? Like, we create, well, not. I mean, unfortunately, that's not for everybody. But, like, we create these places where we are at ease. We try to decorate our homes to be a place of relaxation. Yeah. And then, the, you know, and so... That is a place where a lot of us sometimes are able to just 
like you know seclude ourselves in rest have like some me time do our self-care routines whatever it may be but i really do think that the the finding the space and people who you can be soft with is the first step before you can actually experience like what comes after that and that's interesting because you bring up like homes and stuff like that like because i struggle with like a lot of people struggle with like, okay, well, softness has to be a luxury. Mm. It, it has to be something feels, yeah. I spend money on from a ho- shit from a home or to to a vacation. You know, some people don't have a home, and some right. people don't have the money to take a vacation. Yeah. So it it more so has to be a mindset, like, and that's what's a tough thing for me because I'm like, well, how do you make it a mindset? How do you make it something that's like, okay, well, accessible. I can make it for myself. I can, yeah, I can try to make it uh, something that I can do for myself that doesn't require me to spend money or, you know, you see it on Instagram, you see it on Twitter, you got to buy some plants, you got to buy <laughs> some fucking, it, it's some you gotta, art, you gotta, some something. You, know, you got right. to go to a resort. There's an aesthetic and sometimes plant, it just yeah. doesn't require an aesthetic. Yes. The aesthetic, let that shit go. And that's the thing, yeah. That's the thing about being Oof. in a social media age. Uh, every everything, Fucking everything becomes an aesthetic. Yes. And we have to remind ourselves that just because this is how Instagram may be displaying what it looks like, yes. doesn't mean that has to be the actual practice for me. Yeah. And I think as black women, especially, we uh, relate this to softness to luxury right. because for so long, even being able to rest felt like a luxury. luxury. Right. Like being able to take time off felt. Like a luxury. Right. It was like we were being handed a Louis Vuitton bag. Right. <laughs> by yes. a nap. It's like a nap. Louis yes. Vuitton. That's, that was the closest we got to yeah. it. There are luxuries that we should, that don't cost anything, that are our right, like rest, like, like you know, being around, being creating boundaries, not so that you can work harder, but creating boundaries so that people can treat you gentler, more Gentle. gently, yeah. or pour into you and love on you in a way that you deserve mm-hmm. and demand. So I think like a lot of times when there's no rule book to this and it doesn't, you don't have to be rich or have all this money. It doesn't have to be a vacation to Cabo that like we took. It can, it, it can look like a mom telling her family, hey, for the next hour, you don't know me. It's dad or nothing. Don't ask me. I'm no locking myself in the bathroom. Questions. I'm taking this bubble bath. I'm putting on these headphones, right. and I am having my time. Right. That is treating. That is treating yourself with softness. Yes. Also, rec- reclaim your softness by ignoring. I ignore. <laughs> I ignore. <laughs> no. See, here's the thing. The word that came out. Here's the thing. Because I have a mom who is a boomer who really, like we said earlier, rest for her is for the weak. <laughs> they baby, they sleep. We What did he say? They sleep, we grind. We grind. <laughs> team, team no sleep. Team no sleep. That's my mother. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes I have to catch her in moments where I'm like, hey, 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 hey. Not right now. <laughs> not right now. I know you're going to talk about work. Not right now. I know you got an idea. Not right now. <laughs> Not right now. Be vocal. Sometimes you have to be vocal with people and be like, hey, actually, no, it's my soft hour. <laughs> it's my soft hour. It's my soft Create hour. Create a soft hour, ladies. And, and I know men. you could be in the midst of chaos at the moment. Everything's happening. Hey, I got a question. Hey, it's my soft hour. 
I understand. I'm trying to do whatever I need to do, even if you're working. Mm-hmm. I'm treating myself with such softness, and I'm trying to take these tasks down, but in my way, mm-hmm. in a way of, um, in, in some kind of soft way. Mm-hmm. So, God bless you. I will get to your question when I can, but right now is my soft hour. So, it's okay to do that. Like, That's what even if you can't lock yourself in bathroom, you know, bathrooms and stuff like that, right? Yeah mentally or write shit down like hey today bitch you need to be soft with yourself let's jot down some ways mentally mm-hmm. i can think or process how i can be soft with myself today with my thoughts oh because that's where it starts and y'all so, know if yeah. people talk to us the way we talk to ourselves it would be on site baby <laughs> and girl. so we need to and my there it's like my therapist says you cannot I used to think that I had to stop the thoughts from happening. Like, like that was the growth, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that mm-hmm, feels impossible. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's no. She's like, no, it's not about not having the thought. It's about once you do, leaving it there. Have it and don't have it and let it go. Don't give it no time. Don't give it no space. Don't give it, it just let it go. That's what it is. The, so because and that made me feel a lot more attainable to me. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't think I can ever stop letting some thoughts like cross my mind. It's going to. But what you can human. do is yeah. control how long you let them stay yes. there and fester. And so even if it's just that simple daily practice, that is practicing softness. And this to me is something I wanted to make sure we talked about because it is way more than an aesthetic. It's about extending our life expectancies black people are dying of heart attacks and other things like it is affecting our organs you understand Mm -hmm. so we need to learn to be gentler so that we can have a better quality of life yes and you know who i feel Mm. like offers a great example of softness who Heather motherfucking Headley, y'all. Hey! Heather Headley. We were fortunate enough to speak with the multi-talented mm. Heather Headley about black women being soft, the ways that she intentionally worked to create softness in her character, mm-hmm. Helen on Sweet Magnolias. Okay? Yes. Sylvia loves it. I love it. I do. Oh, and of course. Of course. I wish I was. In love with you, so you couldn't hurt me. Okay, already. that's enough. That's, that's a, it. That's I, all you, but that's it. That's all you're gonna get. That's all you're gonna get. We, we, we don't got the money. Check it out. Check it out right now. Guys. Her voice is like molasses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into the interview, we love to check in with our guests by asking, how's your heart today? You know, my heart is good. Um, it's it's mechanically good because the doctor checked hey. it the other day. We love to hear that. We love to hear that. And then my heart is good. I am. It's better than good. I am very well loved and um, by my husband and my family. And I feel at peace. Sometimes I try not to, you know, you, you, you know, you're like, oh, this is bad. And I had a little run in with my seven year old this morning because he didn't want the craisins that I put in his lunchbox. Not the craisins. Not the cra- craisins. are better craisins. than raisins, first of all. So you've already elevated the snack. I thought because... I did a good job. It was a little charcuterie, <laughs> kind of charcuterie thing. Ooh. But the kids, the, the kids don't want the charcuterie board. <laughs> the coochie board. I put a good thing together there. 
And then he looks in the box. I almost am like, don't look in the box before you go to school because I know this is going to happen. He goes in there and then he takes the, he's like, uh, I don't want the grades. And I was like, Ugh! and then my husband's like, you know, let it go. So I'm like, yeah. So anyhow, that's how my heart started this morning that I was like, you yeah. don't want the craziness? What? What? With the cra- yeah. Children are dying in Ethiopia. I knew, <laughs> I knew that I knew was it. coming. So, so parents are still doing that one. Okay. That one, that one's an old Keep one it goodie. My Keep mother it is it on me. I do use it on, you know, so I'm like, rah, 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 rah. children would rat. So anyhow, um, with that said, <laughs> They still love me through it somehow. And if that's the least of my worries this morning, the heart is really, really good. That's amazing. That's great. And speaking of loving them through it, we've been loving you through it, okay? Because we have to just acknowledge that, acknowledge Heather Headley, okay? First of all, for the people in the back, you know, we're speaking with, Heather Headley, a.k.a. Tony and Grammy Award winner, a.k.a. Aida. Now, first of all, <laughs> I just need to very, make this very clear. You were the blur- first black woman I saw in Broadway as lead. Like, I've never seen that before. And as somebody who absolutely loves musical theater and went to school for it in high school, it was a big deal for me to see you f- in the front. So that was huge. And then, you know, we got... Nala, I've also seen you in that too, girl. I've seen you in The Lion King when I was a child. Um, and also, I wish I wasn't in love with you so you couldn't, you couldn't hurt me. He is Heather Headley. Like that, this, <laughs> you know? So I just want to talk, I, I just want us to remember that we have range here. We have variety here. You know, she does not just sit in one box she's in all boxes she's on in all lanes you know so we just want to give you those she has it the range (laughs) she definitely has it so we just want to say thank you the car is all over the highway hello (laughs) that's what you're supposed to do this is atlanta driving that's right we (laughs) atlanta driving atlanta driving So we just have to say thank you and give you all the love that you've given us for real because oh, we've been fan. watching you for so long yeah. and I am a big fan, huge fan. Thank you for that. It's uh it's very encouraging and um I'm humbled by it. So thank you for that. Let's just talk about the breakthrough roles in theater first. It was Nala in The Lion King and Broadway, which was phenomenal and amazing and really the best it was my first show that I've ever seen in Broadway so it was the best thing I've ever seen um and then shortly after you played Aida uh both characters also happened to be very strong independent and fierce you know um honestly not too different from Helen on Sweet Magnolias we'll get to that later but these roles saw you performing in front of an audience well over a thousand times how did you manage to continue to bring these characters to life so many times even even when i do it now i really consider it such a blessing to be able mm. to do it and for me every night is different i love mm. the theater and i love performing live um and i think it's for the reason scotty that like for the albums, not that I don't love the albums, for the albums mm-hmm. and for film, you kind of stamp it, right? Mm-hmm. So you do it and it's done and they take mm-hmm. it away from you and I can't fix mm-hmm. it. And that drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> because I can't, I can't fix 
fix it. And so like six months later, I'm watching it and I'm like, I'm like, right. you know, I'm, I'm getting conniptions because I'm like, ay, 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 I could have fixed that. Right. The beauty with the theater is that every night I go back in trying to beat what I did the night before. Mm. Every night I'm coming in to say, I remember what I did yesterday. Let's build on that and be better than she was yesterday. Right. And so some nights you're like, ah, that didn't work. I'll go home and fix it. But I think when, when I had that attitude, when I have that attitude and for every audience member, it's a, uh, I want them to have this amazing experience. You can do it. And my yeah. aim also, Scotty, is to that when that time comes that you're like, uh, I don't think I like it anymore. So you need to go. Yep. You need to say, okay, my, I, so I always leave the show before that happens. Mm. I, I consider it to be such a gift, right? That something we do in our bathrooms, walking around the house, <laughs> this is how I express myself to sing right. that somebody's going to pay you for it and put you on stage. It's a blessing. So it, it every night is, um, you know, I, I try to go out there and, and beat Heather from last night. You know, say, all right, tomorrow we'll try this or we'll do this or we'll try that. So it was always a new experience. And I love that about the theater. Um, what would you say your biggest takeaway from playing both Nala and Aida and Rachel in London? Because let me tell you, having to sing I Will Always Love You, I can't even, I can't Ooh. even, at night after night. They were all these, um, these strong women. But part of a, an acting teacher once told me that you, you just don't want that kind of woman all the time. So as strong women, we are broken and we have divots in us. You know what I mean? Yes. And that record skips every now and then. I love the fact that all the characters had flaws. And my aim was to always go in. It's even with Helen. My aim is to go in, find out your flaw, and then go from there. And so I, Aida was... She was teaching me at the time. She was me, you know, because she had her flaws that, yes, I'm strong on the outside and I can do this and I can do that, but I still need to be loved and I still want to do this. And, you know, and so those are the things that those characters taught me and um, taught me as Heather. And those are the reasons why I like them. They had an arc. I'll confess it to you, ladies. And, and don't tell anybody. It's just between us, right? And our thousands of listeners, yes. <laughs> I had never seen a Broadway show. The first Broadway show I saw, I was on Broadway. Well, I mean, okay, I kind of understand that, though. But that's also what? Because, like, as a visual learner, I'm, my mind yeah. is blown. Like, you know what I mean? To, like, understand, like, what I'm about to do. I'd never seen one. Ever in my life. And people would, I would have interviews and they'd say, so what was your first Broadway experience that brought you to Broadway? Me. And I'd go, like me on stage. And it's a flex. It's a flex. It's a flex. <laughs> oh, my first Broadway show. I was starring in it. My bad. <laughs> right. Okay. So we got favorite songs. Okay. But African American Day Parade, it was a thing in Harlem, right? You were on that float, on Kiss FM float. I don't know if you remember, but I do, <laughs> okay? Because I was on that float as well. And they played your song from 116th all the way down to like 150th. And I'm like, 
This song, like everybody was singing it. It was the, the jam of New York. Like it was the summer jam of all time. <laughs> Which one are you talking about? You didn't say. In my mind, I'll always be his lady. You know what's funny about that, Scotty, is that um, with everything I do, I, I literally put blinders on, right? So I'm kind of like, just get me through it. Show me where to go, do what to do. And I, I totally didn't understand or know that you know i mean they tell me it's doing well you know the song is doing well but you just don't understand you just want to sit there and cry because you're just like you know it you know it that well because you know i i know like i know every whitney song you know all so so i think those days when you're on a float going through harlem thinking oh lord i'm on a float going through harlem are they gonna play a song you know what i mean and then all of a sudden you're like why are you singing along? All of y'all singing along. Like, Harlem. everybody was singing the song. It was fun. That Those albums were were fun to do tough because it was a new, you know, just a new foray. And I think a lot yeah. of times you go into stuff and you think, oh, this will be, this is okay and this is easy. But it, it's, it, it, people need to give credit. And I'm not saying I want it. But some of those things are harder than people think. There's a lot of work. Well, that's what I was going to get to. Like, it's the ability to communicate through emotion you know that you can really get a whole bunch of people to get behind you and say i too feel these feelings even though i was 11 i felt those feelings you know (laughs) how does it feel to create songs that resonate with black women specifically i i love i love that i i Mm -hmm. i love being able to look into audiences or to because that's the problem with the records right is that i can't see anybody But I love, I love, um, when I was doing the records, I remember saying to them, I I don't want to sing about stuff that doesn't resonate with me. I want to sing songs that people resonate with and that I resonate with because I'll sing them better. I remember, ladies, where I was the first time I heard Eve. Uh, right? Because we're both Jersey girls, so please don't do this to us. (laughs) We are both Jersey girls. I remember. Where I was. And I did not breathe again until she went, and I, right? Then you were like, <gasps> but, but this is the way you're hitting the notes for me. That's Thank you. Emotional. Like, like I'm like, but you're hitting them. God bless Like her. Wendy. God bless her. And I just her. wasn't ready. Yeah, really. <laughs> and it's effortless. She's doing it and talking to us like, just yeah, girl. And anyway, us. like I was saying. And, like, I, and, then, like, and then the breath. Way. It's not going to sound like that if I do it. And it's just like, you can't just be springing I will always love like a trigger warning please literally got goosebumps immediately <laughs> like I, I just saw all of Newark just stop in there like outside just say what, somebody what, what said was what, what was that huh what, what somebody singing Whitney I heard Whitney I remember where I was like I remember because that's what to me music does and what I've always wanted to do with it right it just wasn't about the singing it was about the tones and the timbre and at that moment I started crying so to have a song that resonates with women with people I'm just like great you know what I mean for people to come to me always and say that's me and this song yeah. helped me through my breakup or something. It's it's the greatest blessing. Let me tell you, because, I mean, in my mind, for sure, I wish I wasn't. I wish also I needs wasn't. to get its gems. In okay? So, like, and, you know, I wanted to, because these are kind of breakup. They're breakup songs. They're also songs about, you know, they're little, they're like, you know, a little um, pre-therapy kind of like, you know, in my mind, girl, sis, he's not your man no more, but... <laughs> We love them. And I always think of, and you, even when you talk about the moments, like for me, 
I always think about it's so random, but how that song was playing when Melanie and Derwin finally got back together again on the game, and they yeah. were in the because they were in the store, and it was in my mind, and we were like, "That's right, he's always your man, Melanie." Like it's just it, it translated through culture and shows where you weren't even on, and I mm-hmm. think that's like the power of it, <laughs> truly. But I wanted to ask, like, how is your like when you listen to those lyrics and those songs? Like, has your connection to the lyrics changed since two thousand six? Like, obviously now you're you know, married and love and all these things. And uh, I wish I wasn't was, I was talking to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis in the studio. Right. And they're like, tell us, tell us about yourself. Tell us about things that happened in your life. And I told them about, you know, something in, in that happened, you know? And I was like, yeah, I wish, you know, sometimes I was like, I wish I wasn't alone with you. That kind of thing. Very relatable. And he was like, yep, that's it. <laughs> yep. That's it. And we have the hits. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's kind of one of those things that it's like an altar. We go to the altar and we say, thank you, because you brought us a mighty long way. And so we move on. And so, um, and so, yeah, it came from an experience. And honestly, it feels like Helen from Sweet Magnolias had been listening to like In My Mind too on repeat. The way her relationship with Ryan has been going on. Yeah, because speaking of not knowing who, who, who man is who. Please talk to us about the plot twist ending in season two, <laughs> because I need to know who you are rooting for. I need to know that you are on the right side of history as Heather Headley. We gonna talk about <laughs> Helen later, but Heather Headley, Ryan or Eric, what team are you on? Sylvia is very serious about this. Let's be honest here. The, the, the future and potential, right, is a beautiful thing. And the newness of relationship and the potential mm-hmm. of that and whatever it is, is a beautiful thing. I have to admit that the, the, the brother might have some ghosts in his, yes. co- nope, and pun intended, yes. that we have to see through. But that potential is beautiful. However, the past is, is sometimes it will, it will hold you hard. And so that can be a scary thing as well. I am for Helen's happiness and I am like wherever she's happiest, whether it be with these, one of these two or neither, or if she ties them both up in the, in the basement, I've kind of said that too. (laughs) Well, you know, a wise, a wise song once said, they say, if you love someone, you've got to let them go. And if they Mm -hmm. come back, then <laughs> it means so much more. So familiar. Mm. And that's, and you, it's, it's, mm, I, I can't recall who song that was, but it reminds me of, you know, our, the, this, this man, this man who keep coming, this, this white man who keep coming back for this Going good loving from Lord. you. He can't let it go. He said, kids, let's have them. Let's see. Like, it's just what? But no, I, um, I, I'm rooting for the good chef. I can't help it. I'm sorry. This man feeds you. He takes care of you. Same. He, he loves on you. He has Same. never left. You know what I mean? So like, I, and he's fine. So, I mean, there's just a lot of, it's just the way he cares. He's just so gentle with Helen in a way that I just adore. And I get you because when he was talking about his past and, you know, the things he has to go through, I'm like, mm, that is a lot to have to get over. But even the fact that he was willing to stick through the uh, IVF and all of that, when, you know, I'm just like, that says a lot. So that's where my alliances are for Sweet Magnolias. I'll put a check next to you. Okay, yes, mm-hmm. thank you. Please let 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 the, let the showrunners know. Um. 
I think there'll be quite there'll be quite the riot. But um, I I don't know. It's funny how some people are like, I'm Team Eric, I'm Team Hel- um, Team Ryan, and I'm like, I I have no idea. You know, they don't tell me. I would sell the information for a good batch of mac and cheese. <laughs> That's how I am. I'm like, do you make good mac and cheese? I'll tell you everything. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so they don't, they really don't tell us, but I, I've been like, I, I have no idea. I think it's going to get messy. Mm. But these boys are like boomerangs. Like we say on this show, these boys yep. are like boomerangs. They always come back. Come back. 100%. <laughs> I don't know who to pick. We'll find out. It'll be like Howie. I'll pick Howie or some, the doctor or something. <laughs> Yes, yeah. I know it's gonna be anybody. I mean, I'm honestly still not really over the surprise I felt when I found you on this show. Still, uh, much because Sweet Magnolias, because it's it was just like in the thick of the pandemic. Like people who also watched the show, like it came out and like the thick of the pandemic when I especially needed something just light and heartwarming. Like it just feels like a cup of tea when I watch it. You know, like Aww. it's just like this lovely role. And I was like, wait a minute. Is that Heather Headley? Like, I really was like, I, I paused. I'm like, it took me like, it took a second for it to register to me that it was you. Because I wanted, like, I couldn't even, I was like, first of all, like, was, and it made me be like, oh, now I'm really watching. Like, if I wasn't so, I'm like, I am sold because Heather's on this show with her soothing ass voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, we got to get an audio, but we got to get some, I'm just happy some on this ass we got to get some of this ASMR. Yeah. Some ASMR. ASMR. <laughs> Some asthma. We got to get you doing some podcasts, Heather, because... Some readings, some meditations. The Calm app. Are you there? The Calm app. Hello. Please. I need to read me a bedtime story. Come on. Book my good sis. Because I will fall asleep to Sweet Magnolias just because of this voice. You hear me? I'm like, as if I couldn't... Just when I thought both like the singing voice wasn't enough. Here you're gonna mm-hmm. have a nice talking just voice too. How dare you? Voice. God. It's just crazy. But I wanted to know like what what drew you to this role, this show, and like back to the small screen. Because I mean, like to TV. Like I was so surprised. Do you know Silver? I um <laughs> hey. I, I this kind of dropped. This was dropped to my lap from heaven above. You know? Yeah. I was nine months pregnant. Nine months pregnant with our our little girl. And um, agent called and said, they want you to, they want to look at, want you to just read very quickly for this show. And I was nine months pregnant. I knew this was our last child. And so with that said, I had visited the burrito shop down the street a few times more than I should have. (laughs) Because I would go there like for lunch and dinner and then put my sunglasses on and be like, oh, hello. Yeah. Hey. Uh, how you doing? Um, can I get? And they're like, you want the with the chicken or the beef? I was like, you know it's me. Oh no! Extra cheese? You said extra cheese on this? <laughs> so I really went with the thing of like, I don't care. Right. I, you know, I'm not here for the bounce back. I'm not here for snapping anything. We're just gonna be pregnant and happy. And so nine months, I get a phone call. Um, they want to see you for this, and I was like, do these people know that I am? fully pregnant, you know, like big pregnant. Yes, they know. Um, so I talked to the showrunner, Cheryl, and she sent me the script and I remember reading it and kind of going, all right, somebody's going to be a drug dealer in the next page or somebody's going to, an alien's going to descend. <laughs> the drama, some type of big drama. Craziness, yeah. right? This thing's just like, it's just about life, about these three women's lives. And I remember saying to yeah. my husband, I was like, 
it's really sweet and it's great, but I don't, I don't know who's going to watch it. Right. And so Netflix then sends me a message and they're like, you're Helen. We want you to be Helen. And I remember saying to them, like, you do know I'm pregnant and I have been eating a lot and I don't really, you know, care. And I think it was a great lesson. (laughs) I don't care. And it was a great lesson from Netflix and from the world, because even though I consider myself to be, I am woman, hear me roar. I still had that mindset of like, well, I'm pregnant. I'm going to be postpartum. So you don't want me. You need to go find somebody who, you know, she snapped, you know, and they were like, no, we want you. They were like, we have, we have a great designer. She will, if you have stuff you want to hide, she'll hide it. And I was like, are you sure? Cause, and it was a great lesson that we have to stop that just forgetting. Counting ourselves out. You know what I'm saying? To be like, oh, well, I'm pregnant. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't want me in it. No, you should be in the show. Women have babies. (laughs) You know what I mean? And this is how it is. And if your body doesn't snap back, you're good. Don't worry about it. That's why we have girdles. (laughs) And so when they called and said we would do it, I was just, I was like, okay, great. Honored and got the chance to do it. And then when the show came out, it was during the pandemic, like you say, Sylvia. And I remember thinking to myself, well, you know, we'll see. Who watches Uh it? You know, whatever. And I had to literally in my brain apologize to America because I was like, you know what? I think sometimes we get caught up that we have to have an alien and we have to have a dragon and we have to have this. And, you know, this one has to be on drugs. And and America said, at least people in our for our show said, we just want to see a show about women, about life, about stories and about things that we go through. It goes back to the music. Women go through divorces. Their husbands uh-huh. leave them for people in their offices. Uh-huh. There are women who can't have children, who are single uh-huh. at 40, you know, and I think it resonates with a lot of women and, and not even women, just people in general. And I was really, I'm, I'm very honored to be a part of that. And so even with this season, when it came out and we hit number one and it started, I was just like, I, I just am, I'm grateful but just it it always reminds me that people just want to see great stories because it's enough we're going through enough we have enough going on in the world as is yeah so i don't need the i you know i need a little suspense but i don't need enough to give me anxiety is what i'm saying <laughs> um i didn't feel that way with watching steel magnolias I, it it did feel like a feel good show you know it really is great to have a story that's just this is what we go through as people and i I think that's what resonated with them so it's fun helen's character had some significant shifts from the first season to season two we watch her go from this you know character who was always there to lend a shoulder to being the one who needs the shoulder to lean on uh so why does this journey seem necessary for her character and for viewers to see. And in what ways have you worked to make Helen shift one that aligns with who she is as a black woman? Hmm. Well, I I kind of, and, and Cheryl talks about it. Last season, I went to her and I said, Helen's got it all, right? She's got the car, the house, the career. She's kind of running this town. She's got everything under control, kind of. There has to be something that she cannot get and that she cannot, and that she um, even if she tried, cannot get. And I remember seeing that to Cheryl, just like Helen, there has to be something that Helen, she can't control. And then that's how it was, you know, getting with the baby and everything. So I, I love having that part of it. I think there are a lot of women 
um, black women especially, that we have issues within our wounds, right? So I know we have cysts and we have fibroids and we have things that, right? It's like our woman thing. We have things that keep us from, and we don't talk about it. We don't talk about infertility. I remember, I'm giving you all my business. I remember I went to the doctor one time and he was like, oh, I see a little, like a fibroid or something. And I called my girl, bro. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna die. And she was like, what? The black girl. She's like, oh, that's the black woman's disease, darling. And right. She, she said, between all my friends, I think we have a thousand of them just in our rooms. And I was like, really? Yeah. It's kind of like a rite of passage. Like, it's, <laughs> I mean, not to make it sound like, but like, I have fibroids. My my mom got fibroids. My grandma got fibroids. My grandma, my grandma got fibroids. Mm-hmm. Everybody got fibroids. The ancestors know fibroids. Okay, so. They know what it I was, know. but they knew. Right. Something. I didn't even blink twice when they told me. I was like, mm, all right, well, I'm a woman for real. Yeah. Now. It's, it it's to the it's like to the point where it's like I just assume like maybe mine's just hiding. I don't know. It's probably up in there right. somewhere. Like my mother had to have a hysterectomy. You know, you know, like I watched my mother have a hysterectomy after my sister. So I'm yeah. like, I imagine it's up in there somewhere. I just maybe Same. I haven't had an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be surprised mm-hmm. if they if I'm I'll be surprised if the day I finally like go put an ultrasound in my uterus and they're like, oh, nothing. I'm like, really? Huh? Look at that. Like it's but and I, and I think that's the importance of having these conversations and normalizing it so right. like that we're not panicking like something's wrong yeah. with us when yeah. it's so common. We don't talk about it. We don't yeah. you know what I mean? Like I like she said, I want the ancestors to come and say, listen, this is part of who you are. This is this yeah. is this happens with you and don't worry yeah. about it. You know what I mean? We'll overcome it. Yeah. It will be fine. And so yeah. um and so I I just, I want people to have those stories. I want us to talk about them. I mean, we don't need to, you know, but even in the show, they are so open and so great about me coming in and saying, look, um, you know, Helen would wrap her head. And they're like, yes, yes. We have our entire um, hair and makeup team. It's it's a black group and they deal with everybody. I'm very proud of them. And they're very yes. on top of it too. Just like, yes, this is what would happen. So it, mm-hmm. I had, you know, I, I'm grateful for a, um, the group of people who are like this, we're, we're open to any suggestions and open to what you have to mm-hmm. say, um, just even about your culture and who you are and all this kind of stuff. So it's been, yeah. it's been great to be a part of that process. And it's so interesting too, speaking about it, because in this episode, we talk about the importance of black women being soft which pushes back against the idea that black women always have to be strong. You know, like there's this whole like soft life kind of movement that's happening. Um, Like millennials are talking about a lot on social media, but kind of just like the ability to lean into ease and vulnerability and just all the things that we like not carry the burden of the world on us and just release it and take care of ourselves. Like, I love this whole soft life movement that's like happening with black women. And I kind of feel like, I saw Helen leaning into that too, in the sense, and it was, and she struggled with it the same way. Like we talk about it, like it's easy, but it's not like the process of like unlearning and un, you know, and like just letting all of these layers of hardness go is not easy. They, they took years to get there and to build. So it's like, I, can you talk about like, if that played, like if that was part of your thought process at all with Helen's character this season and like why that representation is important, because here we have this super strong woman 
She's like, ha- like she has to lean on people and she's struggling to tell and she's struggling to let Eric take care of her. And like all of these things are happening. As women, especially as black women, we've kind of given this narrative that I have to be hard and I have to be strong. Yeah. Um, maybe sometimes we don't have the man in the home or however it, it goes. We just, I gotta, you know. And so, and, and what happens is we, it, it becomes aggressive and mm. not, but I do believe that there is strength in, in the softness in the vulnerability mm-hmm. and in in the queendom, right? The yeah. queen, they're strong, but there's a grace to them. So I don't need to walk into the room cussing everybody out. There is something so beautiful about the strength of women who have that vulnerability because you know she went through it. And I always feel that when a woman's too hard and too, you're hiding something. You're not that mm-hmm. strong because you have to, I love people who are just, on, you know, in control of the whole thing. Listen, I had somebody, it wasn't, it was God actually. I was on a plane and I had my son with me. He was younger at the time. This black air stewardess comes up to me and she says, as we're heading out, she goes, hello, hi. I just want to make sure you know that if anything happens on the plane, um, you put your mask on first and then you put on your son's mask. And I remember I looked up at her and kind of was like, First of all, I have traveled quite a bit, darling. I know your story. I know what I'm supposed to do, number one. Number two, nothing better happen on this plane for me to have to use my mask. And you do your job. You do your job and make sure nothing happens on this plane. And number three, I'm a good mother. I will not put my mask on and then, you know, put his, I will put his on first and I will save my child. And in that minute, the good Lord was like, I'm going to come down from heaven because I have a lot of things to do here, but I'm going to handle you for two minutes, Heather. <laughs> and it was the biggest sermon that I've ever had in the quietness. And God was like, I could hear his voice. He said, do you know why you have to put your mask on first? And yeah. I was like, well, why? I don't, you know, if you don't put your mask on first, who's going to take care of all these people? His chances for living go down quickly. Drastic drastically if you are incapacitated but i think sometimes as women as black women especially we're running through the plane holding our breath (gasps) are you okay are you okay are you okay let me put your mask on let me put your mask on and all of a sudden we find ourselves gasping for air Uh and we're stifling and suffocating Uh and we're trying to hold it up fight it through Uh and beat hard and and instead of saying I need to take some time and soften and calm and be vulnerable. If I need to get up in the morning and cry it out, let's cry it out. Let me put my mask on first and let me breathe, inhale, get the breath that I can, and then I can take care of everybody. You know what I mean? We're putting masks on and people we don't even know sometimes. You're like, how did my cousin get here on this flight? I didn't pay for you. Like I paid, you know what I mean? And so I think there is this thing about the self-care. I, in the mornings, I wake up at 5 a.m. I hate it. It's the only quiet time in the house. It's the only quiet time. I hear that a lot for a lot of mothers and it just... yeah. That it's, Maybe I'm still too tired to be a mom. I don't know. I, it's the only time that it's quiet. I, I read my Bible. I write my journal. I pray. I get myself together. If I have to work out a little bit, I get that done. And then when the crazy people start 
coming down. I get a shower in and then they come down at like 6.30. And by then I'm like, hello, I am better. I can breathe. I have inhaled, darlings. I am good to go. But I do think you need that moment. And if your quiet time is you know, taking a shower or, or a, a tub or, or, you know, I don't think, I don't think putting your mask on is going to the club four days a week. That's not what the mask is. No. But, but I do think we need to, we need to take that and we need to be okay to say, I can cry and still be strong. I can be vulnerable and still be strong. I can lean on somebody else and still be strong. I loved when it was, I think the season one finale, you had said, I am melted, not broken. Yes. And I love that part because that that really showed that I I don't break. You understand? That I there's moments where I might melt. There's point you know, moments where I might just you know, not be able to get up today or make it today, but do understand that the next day or whatever day I decide to stand up is going to come together. I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to get back together. So I love that piece. I love that you showed strength through vulnerability and knowing that it's okay to also just break down, just take a moment. Be brokenhearted. Be sad. It's so okay. And God bless yeah. the women especially who are around us who who hold Lift. us up, right? Who take yeah. that whole melted pot and then they throw mm-hmm. it right back into the and they go, "Okay, we can mm-hmm. mold you back." And I I think that's the beauty with the show. I think those women are few and far between because yeah. it's not every day you find those divas. You know, I always tell people like, you know, you have your ride or die, but I think sometimes the ride or die is a little dangerous, yeah. right? Because the ride or die is like, okay, who are we going to kill today? <laughs> You're like, she's a little dangerous. You are correct. <laughs> she's a little dangerous. Heather, I'm riding. So I'm out. Ride or die. I, I am I am the Helen, okay? I know where to bury the bodies. I want ride or die with accountability. I want the ride or die who says, let me get my shovel. We're going to bury this body. But let me also ask you, why do we keep burying bodies around here? You know what I mean? The ride or die who's been to therapy. That's Scotty. That's me. Because I will. I'll, I'll turn around and ask Sylvia. Now, before we pour this dirt on. <laughs> what did we learn from this? What right. Learn? What is, what let's make away? sure that this is the last one. <laughs> this is the last time I'm burying the body. Right. Last time we're gonna okay. do this. I have we're brought going the to shovel out this. a lot. Right. <laughs> Every this time I bring the shovel out, we have the same conversation. I'm gonna help right. you bury the body again. However, mm-hmm. but that's what I want. <laughs> I think ride or die is just like let's bury the body. And girl, yeah. you should, yeah, you should kill him and you should get him. But I think the, the Helen part of it, the sister, the accountability partner, she says, I'll, I'll help you bury, but let's talk about, you know, let's talk about why we keep burying this body. And that's, yeah. I think those are the friends that help you when you're melted and help you when you're broken. Yeah. And I think that's what I love about this show is like seeing the three friends have that dynamic and have and be there and lift each other up and have that healthy conflict and like accountability and all of those things. It's it's beautiful to see that displayed. So right, putting the bow on the Sweet Magnolias and what we can't wait to see what they're up to next. Um, For Heather Headley, mm-hmm. you don't, you know, I, w- I want to know about what is next for you and what kind of legacy maybe you are aspiring to because 
now you strike you don't strike me as somebody who does these things for the accolades, right? You try you strike me as somebody who you really love, like like the like music, like this is just your passion and you're just doing what you love as an artist. But I also can't help but notice that you're halfway to an egot. Like but and you, you got, got the hard and you got the hard ones. Exactly. You got the say, hard ones. The hard okay. ones are out the way, honey. <laughs> So you you know you about you about one big you know mo- motion picture away from being right. able to get the other two is all I'm you saying. You legit us. The vowels are away. hard. The vowels are hard to get. I just have the consonants. The vowels are hard to get. No, the Tony <laughs> is the Tony is. Don't you sleep on that? There's a lot I'm about of people because theater is got hard. An ego. A lot of people got an right. ego, but they don't got that got. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Got. <laughs> they ain't got the got. They got no, they the ain't got, got it. They okay. ain't got it. So I wonder if you have any aspirations to get all four or like what kind of legacy, like what are you, what are you hoping for for your next? Oh gosh. Um, I will start by saying this, that everything that I have, everything that I have uh, dreamed for myself, God has flown that out the window. So sometimes I go, I say, okay, I'll dream in my puny little brain, but he has... Correct. He's blown windows open, doors open, and everything like that. With that said, it'll be it. You know, of course, it'll be great to to kind of have. I don't want to say attain that kind of excellence because I don't want people to think that the only way you attain excellence in movies or television is to get the award. You know what I mean? Right, there are right, a lot right. of people doing such great um, work, so it would be fun to 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 have that um but i sometimes don't you know go there but it would it would it would be fun and as far as legacy is concerned i i don't want to sound like one of those people but i really just everything i do i just want to do the best of my ability you know what i mean i want to do better than the best of my ability and to leave a mark in that way i want i like people to leave the theater going okay i didn't expect that i laughed i cried this was amazing i I think that we are all um, ministers of what we do, you know? And, and when you think about it, when people come into the theater or sit down to watch a show, it's kind of this escapism, right? So like in the theater, I sometimes look in there and I think there are people here who had bad diagnoses, who are having problems with at home, kids who are having trouble People who are not, and yet they come to us for two and a half hours, and in two and a half hours, their brains go somewhere else. So I'm, we're kind of like these ministers. Like for you, ladies, you know, for an hour, people are going to listen and forget what happened out there. It's a ministry to some extent that you can have them laugh and cry and think and think to be better. Like you said, to to explore minds and to say Mm -hmm. to some women, hey, have you taken your time to be vulnerable or to self-care or whatever? Mm -hmm. And I think it's such a great, a beautiful ministry. And so my aim is just to be that, that people will want to come to whatever I do and leave feeling amazing. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful legacy for all of us to aspire to and to be. I'm not even aspiring. We're doing it. It's an action right now, as you mentioned. Thank you so much for coming on. This has really been such a lovely conversation and I'm so happy we got to have it with you. No, I'm I this was it was like sitting and talking to my little sisters. So thank you for that. It was oh, a lot of fun. Thank you so much. All right, that's our show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Our show is a production of Netflix and Strong Black Lead. Our senior producer 
is Just Jupiter, original music by Amanda Jones. Make sure you share your thoughts with us on the episode using the hashtag OKNowListen. We love it. And follow Strong Black Lead on the socials at Strong Black Lead. And follow us too. I'm at Sylvia Obell. And I'm at Scotty Beam. Until next time, folks, stay blessed.